Welcome to the Take Flight podcast with Daniel Johnson, Olu Okunola, Pabilo Timbo and Joel Ahmed as your hosts. Take Flight is released weekly, giving you behind the scenes business views into multiple industries, as well as highlighting the backstories of entrepreneurs and leaders in their respective spaces. We will also be breaking down business models, examining the latest trends in business and sharing our learnings along the way. Take Flight podcast is a university business class packaged for a diverse and inclusive audience. We blend this together for a unique and exciting look into the world of business. Join us, your hosts, who are coming from underrepresented backgrounds in the UK, have since worked and traveled to over 100 countries, learned our craft in some of the largest companies in the globe, started our own businesses, as well as invested across multiple asset classes, as we give a unique and inclusive perspective with the mission to help other potential flyers get ready to take flight. Since it started in 2019, Take Flight Podcast has grown to have listeners in over 50 countries in the top five podcasts globally and continues to grow and expand. Come join a growing community and let's help more potential flyers take flight. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and SoundCloud. In episode 123, we talk e-commerce and particularly Shopify. Shopify is a globally recognized company where its platform offers businesses an opportunity to build their online business and scale. Some of the biggest brands that we know today have built their business using Shopify, just to name a few, Gymshark, Kylie Cosmetics, and also Fashion Nova. We discuss what makes them a great company, their business model, and how they've actually grown from zero from 2004 to at one point worth almost $170 billion Conversely, we've recently seen their share price fall dramatically, whilst at the same time their sales are actually growing, which makes it a very interesting business. So we actually discuss what's gone wrong and potentially what they can do to turn around um, the stock. If you're interested in learning more about this business, this episode is definitely for you. Okay, um, so today we're stepping into the e-commerce industry and we'll be discussing Shopify. So Shopify is actually a multinational e-commerce company um, based in Ottawa, Canada. It's an e-commerce based business that offers other businesses an opportunity to build their online stores, create customer engagement, market um, and sell to a number of um, customers. What we're going to do today is we're actually going to unpack what makes them a great business, their growth drivers, why they've done well up to this point. But we're also going to dive into what's happened most recently, because what we've noticed is the share price has actually dropped from an all time high at around $1,600 per share to what it is today trading at $538 per share. So we're going to cover potentially why this has happened um, and what they can actually do to turn this around. So guys, another episode of Take Flight. Uh, before we dive into this business, how's everyone doing? I was, I was worried you weren't going to ask. Um, but we're <laughs> going to go straight into the episode. Now, I, I, I'm good. I am really, really good. I'm not sure if I mentioned on the, or if we've discussed it, but um, Shuo and I, well, we went to Switzerland um, a few weeks ago. We went skiing. Um, I spent most of the time sliding down the mountain um, on my, <laughs> not on my skis, but on my ass. Um, and it was a good time. It was a good time to, I think this is the first time I've traveled with Shuwal. So it's good to just have a day, just Shuwal and I sort of bonding um, outside of sort of the podcast. Um, and then we also got to see Pabilo and his amazing family. 
<laughs> for the folks on YouTube, um, P was just showing a picture of me skiing or on attempting YouTube. to ski. The funny, the, you know what's so funny think, about this? I think, yeah, I think you mean those who missed listening on audio. Oh, viewing on. Oh, we yeah. are on the YouTube now. Actually, that's the yeah, on YouTube. We are on well. YouTube now. So you know what's so funny about this is the last time I skied was like probably seven years ago. Yeah, so I took a one-hour class then. I was decent in terms of my skiing. So when she was said, oh, go and ski, and I was like, how difficult can it really be? So the night before, I went on YouTube just to sort of give myself a recap on what to do when it comes to skiing. Piece of slices, piece of slices. But I was like, okay, Shuwa hasn't been skiing for a long period of time. We'll probably be on the blue mountains, the blue courses. <laughs> It'll be quite simple. We take the lift up to the top of the mountain. And I'm sitting there just looking out the window like, wow, this is, this is awfully high. <laughs> like, <laughs> where are we going to get off? Are you sure there's blues all the way at the top? And we get to the top of the mountain. And she was like, oh, now this is the blue course. I looked down. I was like, are you, are you sure this is blue? <laughs> this is not the blue I remember in Sweden. <laughs> this Switzerland blue is reckless. So I ended up, she all goes down first. And I'm like, okay, YouTube says piece of slices to slow down. I put my skis on. I go. And I have zero way of slowing down. Oh my, my momentum God. is just coming straight down. And the worst thing about this is on the mountains, on the left of the mountains, there's no barriers to stop. Like you could actually go off. <laughs> so my technique started to become, the moment I got out of control, I'll just fall down. <laughs> so I'm like <laughs> accelerating down the mountain. And I'm just and like, just... Ah, time to fall on the floor. <laughs> so I probably fell down, probably, over, definitely over 10 times <laughs> on the course of the day. But I just kept putting my skis on, sliding down, accelerated, out of control, <laughs> fall down. <laughs> and that was pretty much, that was pretty much the ordeal. Uh, but the next time I go, I'm definitely going to take lessons. But it was a great um, weekend trip. Lots of fun. It was great to see P and his family. That was beautiful as well. So, yeah, that's me. God, that's my oh, update. my God. This, okay, let me let me go next because I can build a bit on what Ollie's saying. I've never seen a more determined, <laughs> resilient... <laughs> resilient... Perseverance. Perseverance. Whatever adjective you want to use... That's what I saw in Oluwakanola that day. Mate, if I was him, within five minutes, I would have got on that lift and, went, and got the lift down. But he got up every time, <laughs> sped up, and as he couldn't break, he just fell over and he just did it again and again and again. And no, I don't know, honestly, full credit to Olu. I would actually split that, that particular run into three parts, the beginning, the middle, and the end. The beginning bit, I think, because Olu was adjusting, I didn't realize... He, his last skiing experience was six years ago. From when he was explaining it to me, I thought it was literally a couple of years ago. So I thought, okay, it's still going to be all good. But then we got to the top. And also, to be fair to Olu, blue slopes in Switzerland are not the blue slopes in Japan or Sweden. Blue slopes in Switzerland, you could argue, are probably the next level up in Japan and Sweden. So if Olu, who had his first experience in Sweden on blue, then goes to Switzerland and blue, he was in for a very... Uh, rude awakening which he got but to be fair to Olu that first part I think it was just the just uh, getting used to it the middle part which is probably the part where you saw the videos of it Olu did great uh strong balance and I got some great videos uh, video clips of Olu as well so 
as I said, it was it was really good to catch up outside of the podcast. Um, I'm and looking for the so, to, looking forward to the next trip, Oluwazan, sure, and of course the CP's family. Sure, those videos that you have, do you have to edit them to stop the ending, or is it just a natural? <laughs> <one>? <laughs> nah, it was the middle. It was the middle course. That one was fine. It was so funny because there were so many times I fell, yeah, and people would go past me and be like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> and each time, I'll say, "Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Thanks. I'm fine." But <laughs> well, it was fun. But to that point, Olu, you mentioned there was a slope, and I was saying I watched it on I watched it on Shuo's story, and I could see Olu's legs opening up to try and you know hold his stance. And in the horizon, I was like, "There's no barriers there." I said, "This guy not he might not make it on Sunday to, to our place, you know." <laughs> but yeah, I don't, it looks it looks it looks dangerous. It looked dangerous, but it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the next time, Olu. We got, we're going to go again yeah. before the end of the year. Yeah, Olu, you look like you had a lot of fun with those beers with those beers in your hand. <laughs> no comment. No comment. What about you? What about you? Let's switch switch your topic. How have you been? I know. Wait, Daniel, just to add, he wasn't just drinking beers. I, I said, he, let's switch the topic. <laughs> <laughs> let's switch the topic. As you were sure. As you were sure. As you were sure. No, sorry, it's, it's gone. It's gone. I forgot. I forgot. Okay, Daniel, how are you? <laughs> Three words. I am tired. <laughs> What's popping? Yeah, what's popping? Yeah, all of the above. Just, yeah, tired. Drained. Tired. Want to sleep. Can't sleep. Yeah. And on top of that, Man United is getting smacked, isn't it? (laughs) They're getting spanked. Um, Yeah, I don't even care about that. I don't even care about it. It's too tough because I'm just tired. But other than that, all good. I'm surprised you um, you didn't sleep on the weekend. So I also saw... It feels like I've seen all of you. I also went to see um, Daniel over the weekend and the family, the beautiful family. Um, got to spend some time with him. I'm surprised you weren't sleeping during that uh, period as well, just taking the time to nap. Um, but it was good to it's see cause you. It's because cause you were there. I was, I was ready to sleep. <laughs> I, lie. I, was, I was ready to sleep. But I, I couldn't do it. Yeah, I was tired though. But um, it was good to see you. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely a nice time. But... Um, I think I'm just managing. You just get used to it, to be honest, rather than trying to sleep or want to sleep. You just cope with the lack of sleep. And that's the best way. That's the best way I would describe it. P, how are you? I'm good. I'm actually. I'm actually. Um, I'm always inspired, but I'm. I'm particularly inspired, um, especially after last night. So, um, I've been following a gentleman by the name of Dean Forbes. Um, he. he I first learned about him on LinkUp TV. They basically, the caption was from telesales to 40 million. So it intrigued me. Learn about his story. Um, you know, it's so important. Representation matters very much. He's, he's skill-based. Um, very much similar to stories to a lot of what we are, what we're accustomed to in growing up and where we come from. Um, but he's, he's basically uh, a master in, you know, um, building, turning businesses around, building them up and then selling them off. Um, super inspiring just the way he thinks his mindset um his story his ability to keep going and then yesterday um i think what's also quite inspiring is that actually you don't necessarily always get some of these figures to share and public figures to kind of share what um they're doing or their lifestyle or have many interviews right it's very few so yesterday he was on it was on i it was on a live with money station 
um, talking basically about the recent deal that he's just done. Where he sold um, business for a billion. Huge milestone for him because it's something that he's basically been working towards. But then spoke about how the deal has been structured to basically go again and the next target is four to five billion. Um, but just inspiring, incredible. Um, so, I mean, I took a ton of notes. I've, I've shaped it. I can share it with you guys. So, yeah, it's just it's just for someone that, you know, looks like me, similar background, similar story, just speaks in a very similar way, corporate career. Funny enough, actually, one of the things that um, is kind of around his tag is like um, building his wealth in a nine to five. There's a lot of talk today about I need to own my own business, etc. But he's done a lot of it through working for others. Um, so, yeah, I have if you haven't actually come across him, definitely highly recommend you to check him out. Um, but just extremely inspiring. And yesterday's yesterday's live was, was great. So um so yeah, I'm 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 just it makes me think I'll give you one one key gem as we're as we're on right now. So he's very any business he goes into, he looks at the five year plan and he works particularly back works backwards to build it based on quarters. So every quarter he actually understands what he's supposed to achieve so that success and failure is not felt in the moment. Um, and I thought that's actually a great learning for us because we have these goals that we set, but how detailed are we in developing a plan, right? Our plan usually expands to maybe a year. But if, if we were to take the exercise of developing a five-year plan and then work backwards, you know, 20 quarters, and in those quarters, we know what we're going to do, that that in itself is going to is going to sort of um, help us in some sort of decision-making and, and shaping the journey. So, um, yeah, definitely recommend you checking him out. Um, and I actually, I actually um, hope I, I believe one day we'll be able to get him on here to have an interview to learn more about his story. Um, so yeah, said it here first, Dean Forbes interview to come at some point. Dope. Cool. So yeah, inspired. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really pumped. Um, and property's popping as well. So we'll, we'll chat about that. Um, all right, cool. Perfect. So Shopify. So um, yeah, let's, so it's, it's going to be a discussion about you know what the business, what's going well in the business, um, and then kind of what's go not going so well. Um, before we sort of dive into that discussion, I thought I'll just add a few more, bit more context and background to the actual company to help set the scene. So just sort of share some facts and figures, and then we can dive straight into sort of the debate, and then get your thoughts about you know how you see the business and what you was picking up in your research. Um, so Shopify, uh, they were founded in 2004, so they've been around for 17 years, not so long, but they've actually done pretty well in that time. Their mission statement actually is to make e-commerce better for everyone. So businesses can actually focus on what they do best. From a size standpoint, revenues are up um, year end in 2021 to 4.6 billion, which is actually an increase by 57% versus 2020. Very key metric to keep in mind. Uh, they've got about 7,000 employees. One of the most popular e-commerce platforms globally with about 23% market share. Some of the biggest brands that we know have actually built their businesses based off Shopify platform, just to name a few, Gymshark, Kylie Cosmetics, and also Fashion Nova. They've got about 1.75 million merchants, so businesses that actually use their platforms to sell. Now, here's where it gets a little bit interesting. So the market cap today is currently 77 billion, which is actually down around 100 billion from the peak of sort of last year, um, and which, which is why I think this makes this topic so interesting to discuss in terms of how we see the, the company changing and maybe their response to what's happening. And the very last thing I say, and what we're going to add towards the end, is myself and Olu, interestingly enough, 
have a personal relationship or we've we've used Shopify services in the past to build online businesses um, because it was very much in the focus of you know what side hustles and business can we build in line with our nine to five um, and build that skill set. So towards the end of the episode, if you stick around, we're definitely going to share a little bit about um, um, our experience in building the business on Shopify. Was it the right move? Um, because potentially we could have been shareholders and how we would have fed. Um, good. So guys, um, to kick off, I want to get your thoughts as to what you believe has made Shopify a great business in looking at your research um, when you're preparing for today's episode. I'll start since no one wants to say much. Um, I think what, what's key for Shopify success is like many, many startups, it was founded on a solution to a problem that the founders had. So originally they created a site where they could sell snowboarding equipment, which rapidly evolved to what Shopify is now. And unlike many companies, Shopify was incentivizing not just to sell their product to customers, but also to help customers become more successful on the platform. Um, so the more money customers made, the more money Shopify made. And this drove Shopify to help their users become better merchants. And that's really one of the biggest reasons why they are where they are, where they are at now. Many companies wouldn't necessarily incentivize you. So the, if you look further to how they how they charged merchants on the platform, the more you sold, the less you would pay in fees. So as a as a as a business owner or someone using the platform, that's where ultimately I'd want to get to. I'd want to get to selling so much that my fees that I pay to Shopify would be so little. So that incentive was great. And I think that evolved, especially in you know the early noughties when Shopify was started and there wasn't much alike and many other sort of say back-end systems that would enable you to create websites were so clunky and rigid it prevented you from doing so so they really created an, an opportunity in the market to start something themselves and you know one of the founders was you know a software developer but wanted to move away from that so this was a great opportunity for them to be a product-led company and we all know when you're a product-led company, you invest heavily on the product. You want to create an outstanding product, one that would be of value to your customers, similar to Apple and similar to many others on um, this day, that you're really, really moved by creating and shipping products out to people, which allows you to be innovative. It always allows you to create something new. And I'm sure we'll get onto that about how they move from a product-led to a movement next company um, later in the episode. But that's what I probably just want to start with. Yeah, I think um, sort of different from Peloton, um, Shopify, I can give an example of my experience as a user, right? So I think sort of my web creation sort of journey started at university. So at university, I started um, a company called Everything Uni. It was supposed to compete with eBay at the time <laughs> but i remember during that period of time i was shopping around for a website and at that time um i think it was probably 2011 2010 time you didn't really have that many um solutions where you could build a website by yourself so at that time i had to find a web designer to create the whole website for me from scratch I had to pay, I think it was approximately around 2K for the person to create that particular wow. website for me. So then we started to see the 
the evolution of companies such as Shopify or Wix come into the market where they made a simple or they solved the solution of providing a simple solution for people to create websites. You didn't need to have coding background. Um, mm -hmm. It was pretty much drop and drag, right? P, um, P Daniel and I did um, programming, C++, but <laughs> we were the greatest coders, but they provided a solution that allowed us to easily drag and drop and create a website at an affordable subscription basis where you were able to stop and start at any particular time. Mm. So they, they understood a need in the market. They saw that a lot of companies were moving from brick and water, mortar sort of companies um, and moving to online spaces. And a lot of people were starting to create websites without that sort of expertise. So this was a massive space where they could provide a solution uh, out of the box package. Um, you could even have some um, already drafted websites, simple websites that you could just leverage and at an affordable price. So I loved the business model um, when it first came out. Um, I've created multiple websites um, <laughs> and it was very easy to use. So for me, the model made sense. I think we're going to go into where the downfall was. I think also by moving into sort of the pandemic, we saw a lot of people staying at home, wanting to create their own businesses, which meant that the demand for sort of Shopify went up. Um, they gained also some great credibility. I think P mentioned at the beginning, companies like Gymshark are using this, or big companies with massive revenue are designed on their platform. So those are multiple reasons why, and sort of why I like the company um, and the solution that they provide. Mm. Sure, maybe yeah. some thoughts from your side. Yeah, so I think um, so. Digging into it, if if I, so, I haven't had any experience with Shopify as a as a consumer, but it's obviously a brand I've heard of. And P, as you, as you mentioned in the in the intro, there are some really really big brands that are using it. Um, I think it was interesting. I think for me, I always try to start off with okay, so what's the market that they're in? So they're in this e-commerce market, which hopefully for the listeners is um, is is clear. But it's basically selling selling products and goods online, and that market at a total in twenty twenty two is valued globally at five and a half trillion so that's a huge huge market um and this is a market that is only continuing to grow if you think about trends that we see with our friends with our families in terms of screen time in terms of buying um products not even just on a on a website on your desktop but actually through your mobile platform the number of people using phones increasing around the world the people that maybe didn't have internet access, but they've got mobile access in some rural parts of the world, that will also drive the e-commerce trend. So this is a trend that's this is clearly a market that's growing. And Shopify is essentially serving the, the people that are in this market that are looking to sell a product in that very entrepreneurial space. So I think it's a great market to be in and clearly a market that's growing. And um, when I could dig into their two business uh, streams, if you want to call it, so their business is split into two parts, which is essentially a subscription business where probably someone like Olu can go onto their, their website, set up an e-store, et cetera, and a, and a website where they can sell their product. So that's one part of the business. And then the other part is called Merchant Solutions. So this is essentially for the people that are already subscribed. How can they offer those people additional services regarding 
payment processing, helping them get advertising revenue, revenue, get emails set up, etc. So it's it's basically providing almost like the, the the virtual shop for someone. All they need is the the brand almost and the marketing and the product to actually sell within the store. But they basically provide the store um, for people. So I think it's a, it's an amazing business model. And I think digging into this was was really great. I think the only other thing that I wanted to share, P, you mentioned about their revenues. So they just hit five billion last year. And in 2018, so that was, sorry, in 2021, they hit 5 billion. Back in 2018, they were only at uh, a billion dollars in, yeah. in, in revenue. So you can see that in, in, a, in a four-year period, they've almost more than 4x their, their revenue. But what I think was really a great indicator was that revenue that they had in 2018, which is around a billion, that revenue is still flowing through the business. So that $1 billion worth of revenue in 2018 is now actually almost two of the five billion of the revenue that they had in 2021. So this indicates that the product is good. That when people are on the platform and they're selling these additional services, people are staying on. So then, basically, if you assume that two of the five billion from last year is from 2018, then three of the five billion is new revenue, which will also continue to to grow as well. But then the question mark depends on whether this COVID pandemic boom will continue, and probably that's where the downfall comes into it and we'll go into it in a bit more detail next but just on that sure that's sometimes the benefit for companies that run subscription-based models because i can imagine of the 1.7 million users they have how many are actually active versus how many just still have stores running in the background and they're still paying the fee so mm. it'll be interesting to understand we don't have the numbers of that 1 billion like the continued business how much is actually not active per se Mm. Um, but that's just the power of setting up a subscription-based model. Um, I actually just want to double down on the point around, in pharma, we call it the class, right? So the industry itself is glo- is growing. And you mentioned it's it's about um, about seven, it's going to basically grow to, I think they're saying, until about 9 trillion by 2025, 2026. But it also speaks to the appetite of even people like ourselves, because I think we're end users, which is great for this topic, but people just realizing there's options to create another option, another businesses from home, even before the pandemic came, right? It just became also a trend and a pattern. So they're in a space whereby ultimately it, it just, that that's something that we're going to continue to see, you know, going. And I think entrepreneurial is something which has become more in style or more in fashion. Um, so I think, I think it's, it's actually just the, the trends and the patterns have actually worked well for the company. And maybe it's something that they actually thought about and predicted um, coming into it. I think is um yeah. like P you said we've been through a pandemic where we saw so many different brick and mortar stores closed down mm-hmm. completely right if you now go to a business owner and ask them do you have a website i think 99% of people now will say yes where before the pandemic there were so many businesses where they didn't feel like they needed a a website solution right when your physical store is closed you could be for example like a little small pizza shop around the corner, right? Now you need to make sure you either have a website, you're on Deliveroo, Uber, or you have some sort of solution for them. So now they're seeing it where is a place where the understanding of needing a website is critical, especially in yeah. the e-commerce space, right? Mm-hmm. And now by having such an affordable uh, model and solution, it's, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. Mm-hmm. And as a statistic to show that I think it's about 2014, 95% of sales are expected to be online. 
So this is only something that is going to continue to grow to, to Shuol's point. Um, so I think the question comes down to how do they basically capture more market share than where they are today? Any 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 additional thoughts or insights as to maybe what if we look at the, their share price peaked at around one thousand six hundred dollars per share? Thoughts as to maybe what helped them get there because shortly after that has dropped now to five hundred and forty dollars per share. So. What are some of the key factors that have basically got them to that point? Um, and I think very similar trends that we saw in the Peloton business, right? Um, I'll just start with one of them, which was, I know it came up in the last discussion, the stimulus package during that lockdown period was something that, um, you know, that extra income that people have used um, to start things like, you know, side hustles, side businesses. So um, any other key trends that have, have helped them to um, effectively increase their market cap at that point? I think re redundancy. I think would have played a big part. So I think in during the pandemic year, especially the beginning of pandemic, there was a uptick in people starting or wanting to start their own businesses. So a lot of people understood the, the, the lack of stability you can get from just your nine to five job. A few people lost their jobs um, and decided, you know what, this is time for me to bet on myself, create e-commerce business. I could either be selling candles um, I could be selling whatever sort of product and I need a way to get to the end customer. So the way I'm going to do that is through um, a company like Shopify. So they saw an uptick in demand due to the fact that a lot of people were made redundant, having to learn new skills, find different ways to start a business. Yeah, so um, I think from from, from it, was, it was interesting watching the, looking into the, the share price performance in Rollercoaster, it's almost resembling what we discussed two episodes back regarding uh, one uh, Peloton, as you, as you mentioned. I think what was interesting, and maybe it's a, um, a, a common driver that we see in some of the other Zoom, not Zoom, sorry, pandemic stocks like Zoom, um, is that I think at some stage, people thought that all this growth that we're seeing, continue. this is growth, and this growth rate will actually continue over time. But now it looks like for certain businesses and certain stocks, rather than that growth rate, rather than that growth rate continuing over time, what it's actually done is just brought demand forward. And then the growth rate actually continues almost to where it was beforehand. And then if that's assumed, then if the growth rate doesn't continue, then that means the future cash flows won't grow as much. And naturally, this, this will take a hit on the on the share price. And a lot of these stocks that we're seeing, they're almost at pre-pandemic levels. And I think Olu mentioned that in the Peloton episode as well. I think this could be one of those drivers. But again, because this, the trends that we see with, with our friends, with our family, with um, people in different countries being able to access the internet now, and the fact that actually being able to create a product today and wanting to sell it from Copenhagen to somewhere in America or Africa or Asia, actually now because of Shopify is possible. And mm. as we become more globalized, that is something that has some, has some value. So I think that's a combination of why the share price I think has gone down. Um, but there's still an underlying demand there that should, should grow back in the future. Just, it may not be at the rate of growth that we saw in the last two years. Mm. Mm. So, Pete, do you want us to go through <laughs> some of the reasons why we've seen a decline or just more? Yeah, just before yeah. we turn to actually yeah. that, um, because uh, sure, you put a good point. One of the things I, I recognize and I think was great about the business, now we're, we're comparing a little bit to Peloton, um, is the entry points with this with Shopify. So mm. you'll actually find yourself on a platform building an online business whereby Gymshark are doing multi-millions a year. You're on the same platform. Mm. And they've got the entry points of, we know it's $29 um, as their starting pack per month. 
$79 and then it goes to 300. The difference is based on the plugins, the applications, reporting analytics. But I like the idea of being able to offer everybody a piece of the pie, right? Mm. And Olu spoke about the user experience, which is really good. You can set up a store within less than 60 minutes using a YouTube tutorial and then you're up and running. Generating sales is another story we'll come on to, but at least the, the website itself can be up and running. But 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 with that, so I think we've I think we've covered really well the company itself, um, why they're actually who they are in the position today. What for me I found alarming is we, we see the revenues are at a good growth rate, up 57% versus 2020. Um, but almost a hundred billion was wiped off the market cap. Now, if you think about yourself being a shareholder. Can you just imagine the kind of, you know, what you'll be thinking, the kind of conversations that you're having within the company? So what, why have it, why has it been such a swing, right? Given that we've seen, I would say, strong fundamentals in the e-commerce space. So maybe some thoughts as to, as to the decline, right? And what, what's kind of a little bit of that turnaround look like? So for BP is as simple as valuation, right? Mm. And yes, the fundamentals in the business are really good right but if the valuation is ridiculous you just won't it just doesn't make any sense now in a simple i think in the last sort of few years a lot of people got into investing right a lot of people mm. got into picking stocks and you could pick anything and it went up <laughs> and people moved away from the fundamental of valuations right so if I look at um, stocks, one of the things I try to look at stocks is something called PE ratio. So it's your price to earning ratio. And what that is just doing is basically trying to figure out how much is someone willing to pay? How much earning are you willing to pay per share? So it's mm. the price of the stock over the earning of the particular company. Even if I look at the valuations of Shopify today, you're looking at 80, 90 sort of, PE ratio, right? If I compare that just to the index or the S&P 500, you're looking around 35. So the higher it is, it's basically just saying the more you're willing to pay for the earnings. So it doesn't, mm. it just doesn't make any sense. Now, typically when you're trying to be quote unquote, a value investor, what you're trying to do is you're trying to look at a lower price to earning ratio, PE ratio, right? The higher you get, that continuous growth needs to continue because sooner or later that you're expecting that earning to reach whatever you're paying for it. And I think what happened is a lot of people started to look at valuations where they were just ridiculously high. The PE ratios were ridiculously high, but they assumed that the revenue could continue increasing to a point where the price that you're paying today will start to become worth it. But what we've seen with a lot of these pandemic stocks or businesses is that like she was said, they either pulled forward demand or demand has slowed because outsiders started to open up, less um, less demand for um, demand for websites. So it's still a decent business. Now, anyone that's purchased um, Shopify stocks prior to the pandemic, it's fine right now. They're still higher than what they were pre-pandemic. It's still a good investment in that sense. The people that are right now hurting right are people that continue to ride that wave during the um the pandemic when the prices were getting up to ridiculous amounts like especially when a stock sort of three times during a short period of time 
I always say then it might be time to take money off the table, mm. right? And I think during the last few years, a lot of people thought they were smarter than the market the, and the valuation. Market. <laughs> <laughs> Smart. And yeah. then the, the market has now laughed at a lot of people and said, hey, look, valuations do matter. Mm. And now I think what we're seeing right now is not a situation where it's the business is awful, it doesn't make sense. I think there's elements of the businesses that they need to work on in terms of their cost model. I do believe they've got a really high cost model. If you look at their financials, they're spending a significant amount of money on marketing, which tells me that versus prior years, which tells me that they're struggling to sort of acquire new customers at the rate that they were doing in the previous years. So that needs to be looked at so that they can be a profitable business. But at the end of the day, valuations matter your price to earnings matter and sooner or later the market will correct you so mm. that's what we're seeing no i think great take olu I, just quick question i'm not sure if if you look to the other companies is that p ratio kind of resembles what other e-commerce con uh, companies have in that industry or would you say you wouldn't look at it that way it's high and people need to understand that so you could you can look at it in regards to um, industries, right? To say, okay, is it just industries that are completely high? But if I look at um, companies such as Wix, right? If mm, I look mm. at their P ratio, I'm trying to see what it is. Um, what is Wix P ratio to the price to sales? I think there's a showing a seven point nine, so significantly cheaper than. Um, than um than um Shopify. Shopify. But again, the only thing you shouldn't only solely go on PE ratios and say, okay, if it's a low PE ratio, that's when I should buy it, because then you're gonna miss out on great opportunities where the revenues are going at a significantly high rate. But I think what we've seen with these this sort of company or Peloton, etc., is there's a massive slowdown that wasn't included in the evaluation. And as soon as we started to see this slowdown there's a correction and now it's getting to more reasonable price and to be honest i still see it dropping um a little bit i think it's still significantly higher um based on sort of the demand for them but yeah it's still a great company great fundamentals mm. like i mentioned before they just need to work on their um, cost model so that they can have a higher price um, um income of operating Sure. Well, th thoughts on perhaps the decline and and putting yourself yeah. in the position of a shareholder. How do you kind of try to what you try to understand? Um, I mean, if if I'm a shareholder, then what I would probably do is cash out and invest everything in Armored Capital Group. But in uh, in this in this in this context in this context, what I would do is uh, I mean, first of all, I think Oli Oli really hit the nail on the head. I think it's really just a, a adjustment of the growth forecast and essentially all price earnings, et cetera, they're just a projection on what they think the future earnings will be. And if any valuation has suddenly dropped, it just means that future earnings are expected to be much lower than before. Um, now, what's driven that is probably, as as I mentioned, is, is demand, it's, 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 it's multiple factors. I think also what has happened recently, and this is probably affecting all the market with the with what's going on in the Ukraine at the moment, what's with what's going on with inflation, with what's going on with interest rates, all of these have a potential negative impact on future earnings. Now, it's just unfortunate that in 
Shopify's case, all of these other factors have come on top of their demand slowing down as well. And probably what we'll see is in a lot of these companies like Peloton that we spoke about in two episodes back and other high growth pandemic stocks, suddenly they'll see that their uh, future earnings will probably be taking a hit. Now, I think with this, it's always important to look at the underlying business. As Olu has also said, I think this is a great underlying business. And because of the fact that the revenue that they've had from three, four years back has just continued to increase even to now, I think this is a really good uh, good underlying business. That Again, if you're looking five, 10-year horizon, are more people shopping online? Yes. Are more people being able to access shopping online? Yes. Is this one of the best platforms that provides that? Yes. So again, if you're looking long-term horizon, this is still a good bet to do, but maybe on the short term, you could uh, put your money in other areas. Mm. One one point from all of us in terms of um, so that's what I wanted to add. I think the other element to add in there is supply chain issues. Um, mm. People that actually are, are drop shipping, which we can come on to a little bit later. Um, that's also going to be a challenge for um, users on Shopify. One one point from all of us in terms of what you would, you would advise the business to do to improve it for the long run. What's something that for you um, comes to mind? Um, for me, and when you say that, you're not talking about in terms of the stock price going up significantly. No, I'm, I'm actually just, just talking about the just business. Talking about the business the fundamentals. You're sitting on the boardroom, and what would you kind of suggest? I think for me, it's just the cost model. They need to figure mm. out a way to acquire. No, okay, let me rephrase that. There's two major roadblocks I think that they need to focus on. One is how do they acquire customers at a lower cost? because um, their sales and marketing cost is significantly high. It's gone up year over year. I think it's close to 1 billion. It's like 900 million is what they're spending on on it. And then um, the second element and, um, that I think um, I would put into consideration is the, the risk that is based on um, Apple and Google in regards to their tracking the tracking, um, ads tracking. So mm. we've seen that Apple and Google are starting to play a big role in terms of privacy and allowing certain information to be shared with third-party apps. And this is driving not so much sort of clear data on the customer and, mm. and the customer. So a lot of ads, when you're go into a company and saying, Hey, I want to purchase ad from you. You want to know what's the target audience, what's the age demographic region, all of these different data that you would want to get, which previously you could, you could collect from Apple and Android phones through their tracking um, systems. Now that these companies are making a big play in terms of privacy, this is going to impact Shopify and multiple companies when it comes to the ad space. We've seen this already with Facebook. Um, and we're going to see with multiple companies around that. So they need to figure a way around that. I don't have the solution, um, but those are sort of the two big areas that I'll say they should focus on. Mm. That, Daniel, thoughts from your side in terms of, you know, studying kind of, you know, what's kind of not worked out so well for them. What would you suggest to sort of help turn the business around? For me, what's top of mind is thinking about going back to how they started being a product-led product-led company and thinking about what products or what can they release. So in 2014, they expanded to also being a movement um, next company by refocusing on their e-commerce tools to broaden 
the mission of helping everyone sell on as well as offline. And when they did that, they were getting more distribution channels and casting a wider net. And I think that was huge, a huge part of the success. And I think as we, I wouldn't say they reached a mature market or, or saturated market, but with increased geolit geopolitical factors um, coming into play with inflation, with, you know, the, the, the tell of six Fed um, rate hikes this year and other factors coming into play with pandemic proof or not proof companies with the situation in, in Europe, these all have a play on companies worldwide. I don't think Shopify are an anomaly. I think there are many other companies that are facing a similar downward turn in their, in their share price. But I think it's transitory. I think we're not here permanently. It's going to rebound. It's going to change. Mm. When you look at what two years ago, April 2020, March 2020, it was a similar story. And look how things progressed in the, in the three months after that. But I think they just need to refocus on what value can they bring to their consumers? How can they continue to retain their subscribers? The subscription model works well. How, they can, how can they retain also attract? I think the pandemic's been helpful, as, as it's been said already. But I think it's now retaining as people sort of adjust to a new normal, whether those who have created online businesses are now leaving them behind or those who have created them are now seeing it as a full a full um, revenue stream for themselves and their household. I just think they need to think about what product next and really honing in on, on that mission of being a product-led company. Because when you're a product-led company, you always want to bring value to your customers. Great take. Good. We're kind of coming to a close. Um, just before we, we wrap up, I, I thought it'd be good just perhaps my, myself and Olu to maybe share a little bit as to um, a bit more of our experience on, on Shopify. I, I can start. Um, Olu, if you've got your numbers, um, maybe you can also share how your trading years went. Um, but yeah, maybe just, just, for, just for a bit more context. So um, Shopify, I think, was a no-brainer in terms of if you're thinking about starting a side hustle or business back we started ours in 2017. Um, it was it was very popular to do so and using that platform. So I I, I built what was called a, a store with the strategy of drop shipping, which is basically um, built a site, and then I would basically market products that was connected or basically pulled it in from Alibaba. I would then run marketing ads using Facebook. People would then be directed to my site, purchase a product, and then the products would get shipped directly to that that person um without me actually seeing or touching the product oh wow so, man p that that sounds real real good man that those numbers must have been high you must have got some great thoughts on that because no i'll tell you thinking, I, just me I, thinking I, about I, that that's that's a great concept to that run the numbers <laughs> run the numbers they must have been like were well, you close to retiring <laughs> <laughs> no 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 but the thing is what i will say is um you can't really talk because you didn't try right so I'm just saying, no, I'm joking, I'm joking. Yeah, all the products are like pet, or pet toys or something because that's quite highly lucrative. Yeah, so, so one of the strategies to get into it is actually to go for popular niches, right? Um, the Americans call it niche, but we call it niche. And so, what's um, they say your passion shouldn't be some your your passion is not your profit, someone else's passion is your profit. So, pets, for example, is a big um niche. Animals is a big niche, sport. So I, I started off testing and piloting, selling um, necklaces, dog necklaces, cat necklaces. And I still remember, I've still got the video. I think it was in May 
7th of May, where I, I secured my first sale. I just saw the bar go up, right? And one of the, and one, and the, sales, the sales strategy was actually the following. So I would mark it on Facebook. I was deep in the game, guys, man. I'd mark it on Facebook, which basically um, free product, just pay shipping, right? And then, and then effectively it was, it was $10 reduced to zero. Get someone to the website when they basically go through on a point of checkout, because they've now vested into this product. They really want this necklace. At a point of checkout, the shipping would be $7.95. But what it is, is psychology, psychology tells you that I'm still getting it for free. So I don't mind paying the shipping. Um, so yeah, done it, run a few sales of those. I actually, I actually then moved up to like uh, custom canvases. So you could basically um, take a shoe or a pillowcase or a blanket and put a design that you wanted on it. And then that will get basically shipped over. So I think my, my highest, my highest month was a couple thousand pounds in a um, couple thousand dollars in, in sales. Um, but all in all, net, net, money in, money out. Hmm. I, I lost eight thousand dollars. Eight thousand dollars. That's not too bad, actually. Can I? And that, you know, know, and I, I, the main source that. behind that. Sorry, main source behind that is you need to be an expert in Facebook ads. It's very easy yeah. to. It's you can le- lose a lot of money running ads because it's the testing process, and then it's lookalike audiences, and you're continuously trying to recycle audiences, but you find yourself very quickly going from $5 a day to $50 a day. If it doesn't work, you've got to stop it. So it, it became it became a real um, um, operation. But yeah, all in P- all, P- lost 8,000. I have a question for you. Yeah. Would you would you try that again? Say, you know, you had more time or something, given that in 2020, the demand for people buying pets went through the roof. You know, people were buying dogs, you know, and keeping them for, you know, for a long time. And... And, um, a long time, them, Daniel, like for life, basically, right? Yeah, because you know, dogs aren't just for Christmas. Exactly um, for life. So, do you think that people would you would you say you knew you were at the 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 cusp of this happening? Would you try again and then employ someone like a a Facebook ads expert or growth marketing Correct. team to help do that? So, what I learned from that experience because I always think to myself, where would I have been today if I continued? What kind of numbers would I be doing? Right. Um, and the goal, actually, why I started it, because I said to myself, the target is to, to net £30,000 um, a month and then basically f- push that into property and then build that machine that way. What I learned is I didn't build a team fast enough. So I should have bought on VAs very quickly. It was basically me just trying to figure out myself, learn from Adrian Morrison, who's an expert in the space based in the US. He says something, I'll try it. But I had no one else plugged into the game. So I should have had a lot more people that were vested in building this business. The other thing I could have done is actually bought up and running a brand that was already doing sales. And I just basically took control. I just basically controlled it and bought the business. So even though it's online and you was kind of piloting, the the same questions still apply. What team do you have? What's your role? Because you can't do everything. I was doing everything, every single thing, searching for products. <laughs> I, was, I was fulfilling products. Um, customer complaints, customer service. I remember there was one time there was a guy that ordered a hundred, I think he figured out that the hack on, on, the, on the shipping, um, our closing, on the shipping. So he ordered like a hundred products, but it basically messed with my, pro- my profit. So I said to him, oh, sorry, we can't, we can't fulfill. And he said to me, no, 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 we will fulfill. I want these products. I said, no, so, sorry, sorry, we can't fulfill. Is it that he bought hundred products and paid one time for shipping? 
Exactly, something along those lines. So it was almost like I would have had to have paid more just to deliver it to him. So then, you know, they were, they were one of those kind of situations where I was like, nah, sorry, we're out of stock. <laughs> you know, so, business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, we're not doing this. But I liked seeing orders come in and things of that nature. Um, I'll pass it on to Olu. And then I have one last point around why I brought this onto the topic. Because to your point, Daniel, two learnings. One, build a team, get that up and running, start outsourcing certain roles. And, and I would have probably grown better. The second thing is about the position of a shareholder and operator. But I let Olu go first. Um, any thoughts from Olu? And it's then I'll share that because P, whilst you're talking about the AK you've you spent, I did a calculation to see how much if you had just invested. No, Olu, 8K, Olu, 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 that's net eight K loss. So he would have spent loss. more. Yeah, yeah. So loss eight K. You see what I mean? So, so, it, so, so in and out so money made more. money. Yeah, money yeah. So it's better for me oh, to okay. use the net because you wouldn't have lost. So oh. Yes, so you probably spent more than that, but I just did an AK of what he lost, um, and I looked at based on what he had lost. If you had put that into the market, what that would have been worth today, and you would mm -hmm. have sort of three, sort of four times your money in that space of time since you started that um, business. Well, well, to your point, actually, what I, I, numbers I had here is I said to myself, if I had started that, I should have basically the same reason why I started it. I should have also said to myself. Let me invest in this because if I'm mm. starting it to build an online business, other people are doing it as well. So this is something that if I believe in it, I think it's going to grow. If I put 5K in, so instead of investing into the education or trying to build a business, I put 5K in and I sold at all-time high, I would have... Oh, you even went all-time highs. I was I basically... I was looking at even the value today. You're already three times. So I went all-time so high. if you went all-time high, what was it? Just with 5k invested back in 2017, I'd walked with 170,000 pounds today. They don't pay a dividend, right? But think about that literally nothing. And I know a couple of Shopify employees that made bank working for the company because they had invested um, stock and they walked away. They're up. Let's just put it that way. They're in Portugal yeah. right now as we speak, sipping, enjoying life. So I just find it interesting how always take a piece of equity. Even if you're in the business, sure. even if you're, I think we learned that with this company, we learned that with Apple. If it's a company that you're using on a day to day basis, especially in the early days, what's the reason not to purchase equity? If you already believe in it and you feel like they're solving a solution for yourself, um, it doesn't make any sense not purchasing it. Um, I'm not going to spend so much time on my story, um, <laughs> just because I, I started um, drop shipping. After talking to, I think P started it first and then I spoke mm -hmm. to P in terms of, yeah, this is something I'm going to do. So spent some, a few days on YouTube, um, mm -hmm. sort of um, learning how to create a website myself, few more days on YouTube, learning how to do Facebook marketing. And in regards to my niche, I decided mm -hmm. to go as, also with pets, um, but like pet grooming items <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's a very uh, niche area where people will spend a lot of money especially late at night so what you're trying to do is basically get impulse purchases late at night <laughs> which then you will earn you some money now in regards to thankfully i didn't spend as much as p in regards to facebook ads so but maybe that would also tell you why my sales were <laughs> <laughs> well, well, no, were, but I spent <laughs> I basically spent um a hundred pounds on um Facebook marketing and my sales were an outstanding 
one. <laughs> Wait, listen, and, people don't understand. And, and to make and to make that one even worse, it was me. You testing. bought it yourself. You bought it yourself. <laughs> you bought yourself. <laughs> it was me testing the end-to-end process of purchasing, receiving the money. I've done that. I've done that. <laughs> Wait, okay, okay. No, but, but, to put it into context, how long was it live for? How, oh, it was a uh, a few months. It was up for a few months. Oh, was, but what the issue was, I wasn't willing to put the money behind invest the Facebook in marketing. marketing because this was a game where it was you. The the more you put a grand on the Facebook marketing and the understanding your customers and customer acquisition, you're able to sort of test your products and stuff. But I wasn't willing to um put that much <laughs> money into it. <laughs> Not, not to go deep into it, the biggest issue with Facebook is more money doesn't mean straight more sales. You've got to warm mm-hmm. up the pixels and warm up basically being able to look for the audiences that you need. So before you start learning how it works, you're already thousands of pounds in. It's, it's like a it's like a gambling table. It's like, yo, I need to keep going. But my biggest work. frustration, I would say, with it all is that I wish we had learned about this during university days. Mm. I think if P and I were at John Crank, which is the library on um, at our university, and we had spent days just locked in there. We would have figured out a way to make it work. Yeah, it um, we would have had the time to make it work as well. Um, our part-time jobs and student loans would probably have funded our um, our marketing budget, and it probably would have worked. And I do believe in drop shipping. I've seen a lot of success stories there. Um, but also, I think the easiest way is just to become an investor from day one by equity. Yeah. Yeah, one, um, yeah, just a couple of quick uh, observations just based on listening to that story with you guys. I think one thing is probably a challenge that the Shopify business has is that Facebook ads just aren't landing as well as they used to. And probably we've seen that also um, have a negative impact on the Facebook share price. And this is obviously having a knock-on effect on a platform like Shopify. So that was one observation the other observation actually is listening to you guys it reminded me of this interview with rick ross where everyone everyone whenever they think of rick ross they think of multiple brands but wingstop is something which is quite synonymous with his with his brand i remember he was being interviewed once and he obviously has multiple wingstop franchises so probably he's invested for cash flow um but then in this interview they asked him uh do you have any equity in wingstop and he kind of paused a bit and then he kind of gave an answer, but the answer indirectly indicated that he didn't have equity. And then clearly he's got something out of that business by being a franchise owner. Um, but what's interesting is the Wingstop share price has in the last five years, 4X'd. So then I think that again is another example is even if you are an operator in a business and you are generating good returns, if it's a business that's working for you from an operational standpoint, then it is really something to consider as a, as an investor. And I think listening to both of you guys talk about the experience with uh, with Shopify, I think it just reminded me of that of that story. I love that because sure, that's just really a, sh- a shift in mindset, right? Mm. Moving away from being an employer to an owner, right? And even if you're not able to get equity at a pre-IPO point, as soon as they get into the public markets, you're able to just purchase stocks as from the broker from a broker and i think the numbers you mentioned were public whilst the company yes. has become public right so you still would have four times your money in that situation and i i know everyone on this call if you could go back to the beginning of apple the beginning of um shopify the beginning of wingstop 
you would invest in those companies, especially if you're you're living it in there on your day-to-day basis, you're making money through it. You see the opportunity, you see other people being able to leverage the solution that the business brings. Why not be an owner versus just an employee? So thank you all for listening to episode one, two, three of Take Flat Podcast, where we've dug into Shopify a little bit deeper and you've heard some great personal stories from Olu and Babilo, who unfortunately didn't become multi-millionaires from Shopify, but nevertheless, they've learned from their experiences and certainly applied it into their endeavours currently. As always, if you have any feedback for us, you can find us on Instagram at Take Flight Podcast. Alternatively, you can email us at takeflightpodcast at gmail.com. But until next week for our Take Flight Takeaway, stay safe and God bless. Take off, take flight with you. Yeah. Fool, we never fly, but we're